coming up on the George Farmer podcast. George, there's a there's a bit of a problem. Um, this other contributor has threatened to sue us, and he's actually asked for my residential address so he could send the legal papers. Hi everyone, George here, and welcome to the George Farmer podcast. I'm your host, and I'm your co-host Emma Farmer. And today's episode, super exciting and a very contentious topic, I would say. High-tech versus low-tech aquariums. And it's important to talk about these because these form the kind of methodologies that you're going to be setting up your first aquascape with. So for new listeners, this is very much a beginner-friendly season, season one, all about how to aquascape your first aquarium. Agree, this is a contentious issue and lots of different opinions and polarised views within the hobby. Maybe, George, you can share with the listeners the story when you were facing legal action. Yeah, maybe that's a story for the end of the episode, so make sure you stay tuned in right to the end. Look forward to it. So, George, what have you been up to recently? Uh, Last week, we did the Aquarium Gardens live stream workshop. So, Dave, the owner, Aquascaped and Aquascaper 900 which we covered live on my YouTube channel. You can actually watch that. And I'll leave links to all of these things I talk about in the show notes. Today, I published the cinematic video from Scape Nature featuring four beautiful aquascapes created by myself and Ray, the owner. And I'm currently in the middle of editing the ADA 60p setup that Ray aquascaped. So that's going to be a really lovely video. And I'm in the process of planning the Aquascaper 1200 full documentary style video and it's going to be a feature for Practical Fishkeeping magazine as well. For me this is probably going to be one of the most interesting videos that I've produced so far on my channel because the Aquascaper 1200 as you know Emma it's been running for four years. Four years. In various guises, you know, various scapes and it's taught me so much and I want to kind of go through that whole journey with the viewers and I think it will be it will offer great value and lots of interesting insights I think. And will you have any examples in that of when you've had floating wood and you've had floating wood rage? <laughs> I don't think, do you know what? It's one of the few aquariums where I never had floating wood. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> also coming up this week, I will be producing another two videos for Tropica Aquarium Plants YouTube channel. A plant profile with the Bacopa caloriana. And I'm also going to produce a video all about trimming stem plants and maintaining my Oase style line 125. As you know, Emma, it's looking a little bit out of control right now. Mm, a little bit, yeah. So the aim of this episode is to really define high-tech and low-tech planted aquariums and potentially why I think we need to use different terms. Now, the overall aim of this podcast is to make aquascaping more accessible and digestible. And so the previous episode was dedicated to choosing the right aquarium. Now let's assume we've got our aquarium. We need to determine actually how we're going to kit out that aquarium in terms of the technology and the equipment we're using, but also the methodologies that we're going to be using in terms of how we're actually going to grow our aquarium plants and aquascape. Okay, so let's expand on that. How do you define low tech and high tech, George? What's the difference and what does it mean? So in my mind, it's very much to do with the basic technology and the methodologies that you're using to grow your aquarium plants. A great example of a low-tech aquarium would be a tank with low levels of lighting, no CO2 injection, minimal use of liquid fertilizers, 
low levels of circulation, potentially just a plain gravel or a plain sand substrate. All these things add up to kind of very slow plant growth and you're kind of limited in what plants you'll be able to grow in such a system. Now high tech is almost the opposite. So lots of light, CO2 injection, regular use of liquid fertilizers, probably a soil substrate, lots of circulation. And all this means that you can grow almost any plant that you want to relatively easily. That's fundamentally the difference between the two. So is low tech better for beginners? Arguably, yes. When you're first starting out, you may be on a strict budget and your experience with growing aquarium plants will be limited. So it's a great idea to start off with a lower tech system, lower levels of light. So the plant growth is going to be lower. The the demands of the plants are going to be much lower. You won't need CO2 injection if you're going to be using the easy, slow growing plants. You can even get away with just using a plain substrate, but I would recommend using root capsules or root tabs to help feed the plant roots. And you don't necessarily need a lot of circulation. These all mean that it's going to be relatively easy, less expensive and lower maintenance, which is probably a good idea for a beginner, more room for error, and they're going to kind of just start their journey, you know, kind of walking before they're running, so to speak. So does it differ in the amount of time I have to spend on maintenance with high-tech versus low-tech? By the nature of high-tech, it suggests that uh, the aquarium may take care of itself more. Actually, that's a really good point that you've brought up because actually, in terms of what how I defined high-tech at the beginning with more light, CO2 injection, more circulation, all this leads to more plant growth, it means you need to maintain the aquarium more often. The plants are growing more quickly, so they need trimming more frequently. The plants are actually producing a lot more waste organics, so you need to do more water changes, potentially more frequently. So it's a little bit misleading, the term high-tech, I would suggest. And that is one of the reasons I would like to actually redefine the terms, but we'll talk more about that towards Mm. the end of the episode. Okay. So how popular is the high-tech side of the hobby? It's much more popular than it used to be, and it's getting more and more popular, I think, with the advances in technology in general throughout every industry, of course. Very interestingly... Sort of back in 2003, 2004, when I started the hobby, hardly anyone I knew in the UK used CO2 injection. And I think there was two shops in the whole of the UK that would stock a CO2 injection kit. So I think I actually drove 200 miles to pick up my, you know, my first CO2 kit ever. And I, I think I was one of the first that I knew of in the hobby to actually own CO2 injection. Now we know we're in 2020, 17 years on, and CO2 injection is, is very much commonplace. Back then, an interesting story actually, Emma, if you, if you don't mind going into a bit of a story time. Sounds great, George. <laughs> when I first started the hobby, I, I really got obsessed with it. And, you know, you know my personality type. When I get into something, I really do a deep dive in it and, you know, read all the books and, and do all the research. As part of my journey, I was um, researching the American uh, internet forums such as the Bar Report, uh, PlantedTank.net, Aquatic Plant Central, and these were all um, really kind of niche hobbyists, and a lot of them were in this this high tech side of the plant and tank hobby. So a lot of them were using CO2 injection, but not just that; they were adding nitrates and phosphates as liquid fertilizers to their tanks. Now, common knowledge back then was that these cause algae in planted tanks, so it was it was really revolutionary to think of adding nitrates and phosphates in the UK in the hobby back then. 
And during this time, um, I was reading Practical Fishkeeping, I was a subscriber, and one of the contributors was writing articles and saying, you know, nitrates and phosphates are the sworn enemy of the planted aquarium, they cause algae. Now, I was following the advice from these American forums, in particular, shout out to Tom Barr, who came up with the revolutionary way of uh, fertilising your aquarium with the estimative index, which, put very simply, is, is adding nitrates and phosphates, amongst other things, to your aquarium. So I was using this methodology of adding nitrates and phosphates every other day to my aquarium, my planted aquarium, and the plants were just growing absolutely great and with no signs of any nuisance algae. Oh, good results then. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic results. And the results were so good, in fact, that I would post photos on the forums and actually one of the photos got spotted uh, by one of the PFK Practical Fishkeeping staff writers. Combined with me reading these articles that were published by uh, another contributor saying that nitrates and phosphates were, were the enemy, I actually wrote a letter in you know, actually a handwritten letter back in the day, actually how I was achieving great success with adding nitrates and phosphates. And I disagreed with some of the, the content of these of these articles. And so I actually sent a physical photograph in as well with my letter to kind of prove the point. And sure enough, I had, I had my email address um, in, the, in the letter. They emailed me literally two days later and said, we'd love to do a reader visit. You know, we really love your aquarium. Can we come and cover it for, for practical fish keeping? Oh, fabulous. And this was like, for a, for a super keen new hobbyist, this was like, I have made it. You <laughs> know, I've got practical fish keeping coming around to my home to, to take photos of my tank and do a feature. I was so excited. But unfortunately, I was just about, I was in the Air Force at the time, Royal Air Force. I was just about to be deployed to the Falkland Islands so I literally just stripped the tank down and it was an empty tank. Oh. So I said to them, oh, thanks so much. I'm you know, really honoured and privileged to, to have you guys come over. But I have an empty tank. I'm, I'm, away. I'm going to the Falklands for four months. But, you know, I, I can write. How about I start a new series of articles on high-tech planted tanks for practical fish keeping? And that was where it all started. Winning at life, George. Love it. <laughs> I was winning at life. This was so exciting. And so, um, obviously, I was, I was working hard in the Royal Air Force down in the Falkland Islands. Um, but in my downtime, I would write, write articles for practical fishkeeping. And this was in 2006. Kept you busy then. Yes. So, yeah, it was, um, it was good times. And, yeah, that was where it all started. You know, me actually eventually transitioning from full-time Royal Air Force to full-time aquascaper. That was the one of the kind of groundbreaking uh, points. So going back to the original point of how popular is the high-tech side, now it's more popular than ever, and I think it's going to get more and more popular, as I alluded to earlier, technology becoming more accessible and more affordable. CO2 injection is actually, some people define a high-tech system as having CO2 injection. That is the, the single one defining point. If, if you have CO2 injection, your system now becomes a high-tech system. So this is why the tech word isn't necessarily accurate, and I like to use a different terminology. Okay, so building on that then, what, what do you think is more more of an accurate term? I like to use the term energy. High-energy, low-energy yes, tank. Yeah, so a low-tech tank would be low-energy, and a high-tech tank, high-energy. And the reason for that is tech is a bit misleading. So a really good example is when I was at Scape Nature, 
Uh, Ray has a beautiful Aquascaper 600 aquarium. It has a Twinstar 600 uh, light unit, LED lamp, which is controllable, so that's high tech. It has an external canister filter with a built-in pre-filter and built-in heater, so that's high tech. It's got glass lily pipes, it's a rimless tank, open top, low iron glass, beautiful cabinet, complete aquarium soil. He's adding liquid fertilizers every day. All that, to me, sounds like high tech. Would you agree? Yeah. However, he's not using CO2 injection and he's actually set the light levels very low. So with the kind of classical definition of high tech, low tech, this is a low tech system because there's low light and he's not using CO2 injection. But in terms of the equipment that he's using, you could argue it's high tech. To define it as low energy is more accurate because it's using low lighting and no CO2 injection and he's growing the plants very slowly. Okay. So it's it's both consuming and creating less energy, low energy levels. So he has got some of the bells and whistle, whistles equipment. Yes. He just is using them in a different way. Let's talk about the opposite, high tech. Lots of lights, lots of CO2 injection, liquid fertilizers every day, soil substrate, lots of circulation, loads of plant growth. You're using more energy. So you're using lots of light energy, you're using more energy because the plants are growing quicker, because they've got access to more CO2, more access to more liquid fertilisers. So everything is growing quicker, Everything you're using more energy and creating more energy. But you could, you could buy a very cheap uh, aquarium from eBay, you could put LED floodlights atop, on top of it from Amazon, which costs you know, 20 bucks. You could have a very simple uh, power head with a sponge underneath. So all these things are quite low tech in terms of the technology is, is, is quite rudimentary. But because you're growing those plants really fast with CO2 injection and high lighting and, and, and good circulation, in classical terms, high tech, but it's, it isn't high tech, it's high energy. So this is why I prefer to use the terms low and high energy. So if that's the case, why is it still called high and low tech on the forums or on Facebook groups? Honestly, don't know. I think it's one of those terms that have just kind of stuck with the generations and it's just a very easy kind of way to describe something. And I don't think it will ever go away. I think it's so kind of entrenched in, in, our, in our language. And there's very popular Facebook groups called high tech planted tanks, low tech planted tanks. So for them to change their name to low energy planted tank, it, it sounds a bit, you know, it's it's not like they're in the common domain, that, that terminology. Um, I do make a point when, when appropriate to point out, you know, why high tech and low tech might be a little bit misguided. So I think it's something that we, we just have to kind of live with and at every opportunity I'll, I'll try to educate people as I always do. Mm. So can you mix and match then George? Can you have elements of high tech and low tech and blend them together in, in one tank? You can mix some low tech and high tech elements and some people have had great success with this. I actually have a very interesting story for you. Another one? Back in the day when I started writing for Practical Fish Keeping there was another contributor and it's actually the same contributor that said nitrates and phosphates were bad the planted tank he actually had great results to be fair his his planted tanks were beautiful beautiful photographs well written articles and in total respect for his content apart from a few things that were contrary to what i was experiencing and many other people were experiencing so what happened was one of the staff writers set up their own aquarium at home their own planted tank using the methodologies advocated 
uh, by this contributor. And unfortunately, the staff writer failed massively, had a huge algae bloom and didn't succeed at all. So he stripped his tank down and simultaneously I had just started writing for the magazine. So he reached out to me and said, George, I want you to set me up a high-tech, you know, classic kind of high-tech planter tank. In fact, it was an Iwagumi style, just rocks and glossostigma. And that was a great success and he, he, he had great results and it was a great experience setting it all up and we did a step-by-step feature for it. And in the feature, in the article that I actually wrote, I did indicate that his previous failures may have been a result of a combination of factors such as the undergravel heating with garden soil. And my theory was that this would have caused some leaching of nutrients from the organic soil into the water column and potentially triggering the algae. I was very careful with my words. I didn't say this did cause this. I said this may cause this. So there's a definite, you know. I can see where this is going. So, <laughs> so that article got published and, you know, great feature, beautiful photos from, from the star photographer. And then a few weeks later, I actually got a phone call from Practical Fishkeeping saying, uh, George, there's a, there's a bit of a problem. Um, this other contributor has threatened to sue us in terms of sue the magazine and sue me and he's actually asked for my residential address so he can send the legal papers. So to cut a very long and actually quite a scary story short there was no case and nothing happened and that contributor funnily enough stopped writing for practical fish keeping and I carried on for another 10 years plus of being their monthly contributor. So the algae wars subsided. <laughs> yes. And what's the what's the key takeaway, George? What can our listeners take away on this debate between high-tech and low-tech tanks? Yeah, it's a great question and definitely worth going into some detail on this one. So when you've got your first aquarium, you're ready to aquascape it, you really need to think carefully about how much money you want to spend on it and what you actually want to buy. Do you want to buy high lighting to make it a high-tech aquarium? Do you want to invest in CO2 injection? Do you want to be adding liquid fertilizers almost every day? Do you want lots of plant growth, which will need lots of trimming and water changes, etc.? If so, then that's great. You want to take this high energy route. If you'd rather have slower growing plants, you know, less light, don't have to spend so much money on like CO2 injection or liquid fertilizers, then you know the low energy route is is the route for you. And I would argue that as a complete beginner, it's worth probably starting out on the lower energy and like I said learning to walk before you can run that said and I've had experiences with with clients that are completely brand new hobbyists I've installed a complete high energy system for them and then given them a care guide what to do every day every week every month and they've had great successes and in fact this morning I got a whatsapp video sent by one of my clients from a few months ago he showed me the video of his aquascape and it's something that, you know, I couldn't do much better than that. And that's because he's invested in the right equipment and almost more importantly, the, the amount of time it takes to maintain such a high energy system. It's horses for courses. It depends on your budget. It depends on how much time you want to spend on the aquarium. What is your end goal? Do you want to have a super bright, vibrant, intensely colourful aquascape? 
or would you rather something maybe a little bit more subdued and a little bit more naturalistic you know slower growing and and that's the beautiful thing about this hobby there's something for everyone and you know we have examples of it at home we've got the the fluval flex which is a classic low energy aquascape slow growing plants you know easy maintenance low cost and then we have the aquascaper 1200 at the other extreme you know bright lights etc and you wouldn't have all of your tanks high tech no because that would stress you out would be too much time to invest and it'd be too full-on exactly and that's another good point so if you do want to keep multiple aquariums then consider the energy levels that you want to take on it if you if you have a regular full-time job and you have a family etc it's going to be very challenging to manage more than one or two high energy planted tanks i would say so set your expectations realistically maybe start off a little bit smaller a little bit more lower energy it's going to be less expensive less time to maintain and then you'll know if you got the bug and if you really enjoy what you're you know experiencing then maybe that's time to invest in a, a, a higher energy system maybe something a bit bigger and can i put advanced plants in a low energy tank low tech tank no, you can't. No. So this is a, a great point. So lower energy means less light, no CO2 injection, probably less nutrients in the soil. And to grow an advanced plant, you need intense lighting, CO2 injection, you know, lot, lots of water changes, good circulation, good soil, etc. You can't grow, very, very few exceptions, you can't grow a, an advanced plant in a low energy system, but you can grow an easy plant in a high energy system. So an easy plant will just grow more quickly and more vibrantly and more robustly in a high energy system. It will grow in a low energy system just fine, but actually you'll you'll arguably get more beauty out of it in a high energy system. Okay. And with the advanced plants in a low tech or low energy tank, is it that it just wouldn't thrive and grow or would it eventually just sort of die and not, not grow at all? It depends on the species, but more than likely it would probably just stagnate and die and it it might it might just kind of have this stasis you know in in this kind of static just barely surviving but it wouldn't thrive okay and depending on the species it might melt disintegrate on you and the best it would do is just kind of grow leggy so what i mean by that is the distance between the leaves on a stem that's called the internodes and normally the lower levels of light there are, the larger those internodes are. So it's it looks a little bit unhealthy and, and sort of leggy, if that makes sense. Stretched. Yeah. But if you have a lot of light, a lot of CO2, and you get this more compact and more beautiful growth that look, just looks more lush and dense. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that, guys. A insight into the low-tech versus high-tech and why it can be a bit contentious, including lawsuits. So to summarise, it's really important to determine the type of aquarium you want to set up in terms of whether it's going to be a low-energy or a high-energy system. Bear in mind the extra expense and potential extra maintenance you need to carry out with a high-energy system and why lower energy might suit your particular needs so before we go massive thanks to everybody who's left some comments and likes and shares on the george farmer podcast facebook page massively appreciated yes and do use this as an opportunity to engage with us send us some messages for future ideas of podcasts season one is all about making the aquascaping hobby more accessible and digestible so it's a very much a step-by-step taking you by the hand and 
showing you how to aquascape your first aquarium. But season two, we're very open to ideas for new for new episodes. So do send us your suggestions. You can also check us out on Instagram at George Farmer Studios. And we now have a brand new website, www.georgefarmerstudios.com, where there's links to all our socials on there as well. And that will start to be populated with more exciting content coming soon. Okay, so that's it for today's episode. Really excited to see you on the next one. You take care. Keep on scaping. Cheerio. Okay, so that's it for today's episode. Really excited to see you on the next one. You take care. Keep on scaping. Cheerio.